Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome everybody to the podcast. And today I have Robert with me. How you doing, man? Doing well and yourself? Doing good. It's uh it's go time, dude. We're in the fall. It is like, I mean, seriously, my outlook like is crazy over this fall. It's just like there's so much activity. I felt like there was a slowdown during the summer, but uh it's on. How about you? Yeah, what what are you focusing on? What do you what's uh what's the big outlook there? Like, so for us, really, we, we got a big deal and we're about to launch it like next week to investors. So we've got a huge raise coming up um, that we're doing. We're raising, I don't remember how much, it's about 70 million on that deal. So we'll be doing mostly raising activity as well as, you know, everything else we do in our other companies, but it's also like event season, right? So I've got event after event after event, you know, you got the bigger pockets event, future flippers, you've got, you know, my event is next week, probably why everybody's listening to this will be at that event. Um, so it's, it's like fourth quarter, everything's coming together, mad rush to close out all this stuff and get everything done before uh, before the end of the year. So I I don't expect deal flow for us probably to go up very much more because I also have three developments. It's mostly really trying to close everything up, get all the investors in. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a a mad dash because you know how those real estate contracts work, right? It's predicated on that time. I just got to work within the time of the contract. So, but how about you? Not, not to mention football just, just started two days ago and we got oh. holidays coming, you know, I mean, we got what Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that'll all be here before, before we yeah. know it. Uh, for me, I am more focused on kind of building the online uh, business stuff than I am with real estate. I, you know, yourself, from the little conversation that we've had so far, a little bit of the research I've done. Um, and, and a lot of people that I've talked to on, on my podcast, they use real estate as their business. Uh, but for me, real estate is not so much my business. It's more so where I take my money that I make in other businesses and in other adventures and put those that into real estate. And of course I want to grow it. I'm not trying to just, uh, I definitely don't want to lose any money and I'm not trying to just kind of stay stable, but uh, it's more of a venture to kind of preserve and grow wealth rather than a, a true business for me. Yeah, I did that for years. So my other, I you know, I own currently other businesses, everything from um, tech services, and I was in insurance, right? So we were just like, we we're doing insurance sales and plugging all that money into real estate for 15 years. Um, and it was taking from other businesses, right? It was like that earned income moving it into passive wealth preserving, getting the taxes and all that kind of stuff. We did that forever. What other businesses are you currently doing? What are you rolling things from? Yeah. So I have, I mean, I have the podcast, of course, that I mentioned. Uh, I just wrote a book so that there's a lot going into kind of building out a platform around the entire book concept. So there's a website that goes and some training materials, all kinds of stuff that goes with that. Uh, and then there's this, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but there's this concept of niche sites or authority sites where you yeah. 
build a website that's really just focused on basically one niche topic. You build up as much SEO as you can, get as much traffic as you can, monetize it most of the time through display ads. So uh, that's something I've been really interested in the last couple months. So I've been diving in deep into that. And then also- Digital real estate. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I like it is that it's digital real estate. Uh, The exact way I look at it is build these little websites and you know there are people i know people i talk to people that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month from them but that's not necessarily like of course i'll take that but my goal is more so you build this website and we're happy with what 250 to 400 500 a door in real estate like if i can get a website that does 500 to a thousand dollars a month in cash flow without much work i mean that's kind of like a digital real estate or digital rental property to me uh so i'm super interested in that and then i i also do uh RV rentals. So I rent out an RV as a little side hustle or, or business as well. Yeah. That's awesome. I've been, um, you know, I, I like the micro sites. Um, and I like, I, I really like that whole entire concept, that whole entire niche. One of the things I was wondering on him, I've been having conversations with a few people over the last little while, me and my son actually have been looking at it. Like we could build a portfolio of these sites right for him and he could be uh running it managing it um and he's really liking the idea i i don't know if you've heard or if you know my question always was was like what is the uh what is the lifespan of those so like do they have any metrics that either talk about like is it like okay the you build them up and they're good for a certain amount of time and then they go down or i i i don't even know it honestly, it entirely depends on a couple different things. Like one, it depends on the niche you choose. So if you pick something that's super trendy, right, and it just became popular, and then it kind of goes out of style, then you might, you know, have a shorter time span. Or it also really depends on how you build the site. You can, you know, there's these different kind of strategies to build and grow the site. You have white hat, gray hat, and black hat. And so if you're more on that gray and black hat kind of side of things, where you're maybe maybe you're not doing things illegal or not necessarily 100% wrong, but you're also not doing it exactly how you should by the line of the, you know, total perfect way you can do it. Then what could happen is Google can have an update and your site can be doing really, really well and they can update their algo and your entire traffic's gone. And so they're going through a big uh, update right now. And so it really depends how you build things. I think if you pick a really good solid niche that's not trendy not just like you're not just trying to catch the tailwind of something that's new and and popular right now. And it's something that's been established for a while. And you're also building the site the right way. You're not trying to game the system. You're not trying to get early, early traction just at the sake of like building it ethically in the right way. And if you're just really building a foundational website, I think there's no real like lifespan on it. I mean, it can, it can last forever. There are sites like nerd wallet has been around for, you know, decades and there's plenty of others that have been around for decades that have, just been absolutely crushing it. Wire cutter, you know, there's tons of them, some that are massive, some that are smaller, uh, but they've been around for forever. And uh, yeah, cause they do it the right way. That's awesome. Yeah, I, it's, and, you know, probably you as well as me and other people, the idea of passive income. And I actually think that this is one of the best things to do, especially starting out. The reason being is you get the passive income, you can build portfolio, you can diversify, but you don't have the cost of real estate. It's not like you, you get to have, have no money. money. Exactly. You can just do it. Exactly. 
And it's, I, I think that um, that's, I don't know, that's just so appealing. And it's something too that I'm, I'm shocked at how many people either don't know about it or even the ones that do that I hear they're like, well, I want to do something, but you know, I don't know, maybe others, maybe that. I'm like, well, why don't you try this? I don't know about that. And I'm like, okay, first of all, it only takes your time, right? And it's not even that much. And I, if you're not even willing to do, to, to get what, like you said, the equivalent of literally like a duplex in earnings that it doesn't even cost you the money to do it. I'm like, why, why wouldn't you, hey, why, why, why wouldn't you try that? Why wouldn't you go down that? I, I think that digital exactly. entrepreneurs are growing and I think we're still early on in that landscape. It also, it teaches you a lot about business. Like you learn just so many business principles, you just learn marketing, you learn so much stuff that let's say you don't, I mean, maybe you don't do that forever. You don't have to do it forever, but you learn all those things. You can apply those to real estate. And also you learn SEO, right? Most people don't really think about SEO when it comes to real estate, but maybe you take everything you've learned and you really build out a really robust real estate website for your business. And now you make capital raising much easier because you master the SEO game that a lot of real estate capital raisers don't do. And yep. you just have a total huge inflow of, of capital because from SEO that, that most people aren't taking advantage of. So I, I think there's like really no downside to it really. It's, I, I it's just all I, upside. All upside. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think that there's just no reason. It takes hard work not. though. That's the thing. Yeah, you can't, you can't thing. BS it. Like yes. with, with you these sites, right. you, you have to just sit down and write it. If you don't write the blog posts that go on the site and create the content, you just, you, there's no way you just can't BS. It. It's like a workout, right? If you don't work out, you're not going to get in shape. Same with your site. If you don't sit down and just do the work, it's not going to grow. And, you know, I think a lot of people like to play business and like to play yes. around and, and yeah. fake like they're doing stuff and not actually do the work. A hundred percent. It's, you know, they go through mental gymnastics on why they can't, why they shouldn't, why I'm waiting for a good opportunity. Uh, it, uh, on and on and on and on, which really is just, they just don't start. They like the idea of it. They like to play it. They like to learn a little bit about it, things. But honestly, doing it's the only way you learn. Well, they do things that seem like that makes them feel like they're making progress, but they're not really actually doing anything. Like when it comes down to it, unless you're writing for your site, you're pretty much not making progress. If you're doing a niche site, like that is the yeah. one thing that moves it forward. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's just romanticized a lot. And the other thing is it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a grind in the sense that like people really want instant gratification and niche sites is not going to give that to you, especially if you're going after like a more established niche, because you're going to submit something to Google. Google is going to take a few days to a couple of weeks for it to index. And then it's going to take a few, probably six months for you to see like any type of traffic. And you need to be publishing 10 plus articles of a month for yeah. six months or more to just now start seeing traffic. So you're like committing yeah. to writing at least 60 articles before you're really seeing any traffic. And I just, I think that's a big pill for a lot of people to swallow. It's, it's, it's not, it's not sexy, you know? Yeah. And it, it, the crazy thing though, for me is people that are not happy with their situation. This is as easy as it gets to do. Like a lot of people, it's like, what would $1,500 a month do for you in life? And for most people, that is a lot. 
that is a big life change. And I'm like, okay, well then what would you do for that? Right? Like to earn 1500 bucks a month, not doing anything. Now I get it. You got work, life's busy, everything else like that. How much is it while you're sitting in bed every single night to write 30 minutes? That's all you're going to do, right? 300 words a day. That's it. 600 words a day. You can do that in less than an hour. Yep. And yet still they don't do it. There's, there's options and opportunities. And this is one of the most lucrative with the least amount of capital and two, frankly, the least amount of work. I mean, really, if you're looking at it, it's not a lot of work. It's it, 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 it is, and it's consistent and it's not instant gratification. Of course not, but you're writing blog posts. Um, I just saw and- somebody on Twitter. I don't, I don't know if you're active on Twitter much, but somebody posted on Twitter today. They were like, my grandfather was fighting in World War II on a ship this day, you know, however many years ago. And I'm sitting here at my computer writing blog posts. This stuff is easy. Like, easy. you know, put it all in perspective. This is easy compared to some other stuff you could be doing. Oh, the amount Americans work today compared to 50 years ago is staggeringly less. I mean, you're talking like we work the equivalent of 50 to 60% in a work week, what they do. Could you imagine if we asked everyone, I want you to work twice as much. Yeah, it'd be, lose their minds. It'd be a revolution. <laughs> yeah, lose their minds. And you go back just 50 plus years ago and they're like, that was, an, that, that was a normal work week, not even like a busy one. Like yeah. it's... You know, I think that we we do, we have this problem where we're expecting those things to come at no cost, no work, um, no effort. And those gimmicks, those hacks, they don't work. They don't work in the long term, they don't even work in the short term. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it, it's, to, the options are there, the opportunities are there. Um, and people are like, well, that's a lot of work for 1500 bucks a month. And, you know, you're sitting here going, well, but if you have that skill, apply that over three years. So then you have 15 sites, right? And you're averaging 500 bucks a month on 15 sites that you've been working on after hours. Like I, I just, I find it really hard to believe in most scenarios, scenarios. I think if someone applied a five to 10 year work ethic, ethic on basically anything you can retire in somewhere between five to 10 years completely and retire. What people don't realize too is, is $1,500. Maybe it's not a lot to you. Maybe it's not worth the effort to you, but a 50, a blog or site that makes $1,500 a month, you could sell that for over $50,000. Yeah. Like you do, you spend one year, you get it to $1,500 a month. You could sell it. There's tons of sites that you could do uh, selling of these websites and just taking a three times revenue, uh, a three times profit multiple, which is pretty standard. Yeah. You could sell it for like about $55,000. Is that not like, that's most people's, av- you know, salary for the year. Yeah. You know, is that, is that not worth that's, it to you? That's I mean, an come investment on. on a home. That's an investment into another asset. It's just into real estate. And, and that's the difference. You know, it's like, it, it's, are you doing things that gain equity? Are you doing things that gain income or are you not? And it's always better to defer to doing those things. It doesn't work out. Are you worse off? No. Like what? I mean, 
what are you, what are you doing with your time? You're not, were you watching Netflix? Like I was I just, just gonna say you have a little less Netflix time. That's it. Exactly. It's, these are very easy proven standardized things. And you know, there's a bunch of sites that you can go buy online businesses that you can go buy. So if you add, you know, the money and you're like, I don't want to go through the work, but you have some money saved up. Well, the amount of online businesses that you can buy is insanity. It's crazy. Right. I mean, um, there's just so many opportunities right now. And I think that that's a great one. Um, I love it. I'm looking at it for, you know, my family, my kids, everything else that I'm like, you want to start, this is, this is where we start. My daughter wants to make a whole bunch of like different niche sites in uh, um, like the pet care world. And what she want, the reason why she wants to do it is to accrue emails, not to make money because then she's going to accrue emails and then off her email list. Once it gets to a certain size, she wants to launch her product. And I'm like, yeah, you can do, you can do everything like that. Yeah. Genius. I'm like, you're 14 years old. You start, you will be, you, you won't need to go to college because, nope. you know, think about what, it, how, what that would mean if you're 14 years old and you can average one email a day. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I just, what, once again, you're right. It takes work and it's not quick. Right. But, uh, you know, I think everybody should learn by now. Nothing in life is so just, just no more. downside. It's like, yeah. I mean, if you want to change any, any change is going to take work. Like one of my favorite quotes is that, and, and this isn't necessarily rich or poor, but it's just the way the quote says it, but it's like being rich is hard and being poor is hard. Like which hard do you want? It's, yeah. it's exactly. the same it's your choice. Like life is going to be, yeah, life is going to be hard regardless. Why don't you just do something that is hard that you can actually get some, some value from. And the other thing is we, we're talking about giving up time for like Netflix and things like that, or people not having time, but I spent, before I left the corporate world, I would sit next to coworkers for five years while I was in the corporate world. And I'd sit in these cubicles next to people. And I mean, they work maybe 50% of the time that they're in the office. And the other 50% of the time they're reading something on the web, they're playing on their Chatting. phone, they're yep. yes. And yeah, they're, you know, like just take 25% of that time and work on like, just open a word doc and write, you know, like you, you can literally not even do anything outside of your work day, keep your same performance at work and still have write all your free time after work. Yeah. Like you're good. Like people just make too many excuses. It's really what it boils down to. And I think it's a perception problem too. Like, I think a lot of people have this idea right now. And, you know, I do, I have a, Two different companies they help me do lots of research um that we use in presenting all sorts of things and, and, and data and one of the things we looked at a lot is you like stratifying millionaires right and looking at how people earn their money all that kind of stuff they, and i think the first thing that a lot of people are confused about when they hear so they'll they'll hear the stat whatever the stat is i don't have it up in front of me thirty thousand people right in america make a million dollars and they immediately think two things. It's, it's so wrong and it's so deceiving. So the first problem with it is when they say 30,000 people make a million dollars, right? That's like a headline or something. They think, wow, 30,000 people make a million dollars every year. Well, over 90% of everyone that makes a million dollars will never make it again. So what happens is every year you're just turning over completely different people because they're selling a home, they're selling stock, they're retiring. The average age of a millionaire is 65. And if you look at, you know, how much income they make, everything, it's, it just, we, I think we have a perception that it's so out of touch. It's so far away. It's so not possible 
because of extremely horrible and bad narratives in society, or that too, wealth is something that's passed on. Less than 20% of uh, multimillionaires received any inheritance at all. Not that they made their multimillions off of it, that they received any, they received nothing. So whatever that is, 80 plus percent received zero inheritance. Now the 20% that did, they did not make their millions from inheritance at all. They means they received some. The average was $100,000. Why? Because they're 65 and their parents died. And so they received a car and what was left over in an account or something else like that. And I think that we have this just idea right now that it's like, unless you win the lottery or a Kardashian or your parents were wealthy, that you can't become rich. That's not how it works. Um, and it's actually completely the opposite, completely the opposite. Uh, and it, it's a very damaging narrative to people. And I think that makes them just not want to do anything. And also, I think they think the millionaires sit on the beach all day and drink freaking whatever it is. And they don't work and they sit around on yachts. Like people have really no, uh, like they really don't understand what a millionaire actually means or is. It's really eye-opening when you get the chance to see sit down and talk to somebody that actually is doing these things because up until you've actually talked to somebody in person and you know them and you see these options and like things they've done that have led to massive wealth that are significantly above the average person you don't even realize what's possible you, you like your brain psychologically you can't fathom it because everything else you've ever seen in your life has just been you know the 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a year normal house cars type of thing that's just what you're your body is just, your brain is just used to, but then let's just say you have an uncle who has done really, really well in an internet business and is really crushing it. And you get to have a conversation with him. He totally opens up your mind and shows you what's actually possible. It's a really interesting uh, dynamic of, of, it's just really important to be able to get around those people and, and see what's possible. Yeah, hundred percent. And two, it's something that we do not teach. We don't talk about. They don't, nobody shares it. And so I mean, it's really even teaching it, even teaching it though. It's like, it's not the same. You could teach. It's not the same. You can teach it and it'll be, it'll help. It'll work for some, but what is really powerful is being able to see somebody that you know that has done it. Yeah. And you know, I, that was probably one of the things that helped me out the most is when I did um, insurance sales, we sold to businesses, right? So I was, with the businesses doing group medical and we did uh, things like um, uh, self-funding their money or whatnot. But I, I was talking to business owners, the C-suites and stuff all day, every day. And I saw behind the curtain of all these businesses and owners, right? And it was eye-opening. The first thing that was extraordinarily eye-opening to me when I was really young was, wow, these people aren't necessarily super intelligent. They're not naturally gifted. They're not any of those things. And it just pondered me. And I, you know, I wondered. And then, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion after like six, seven years, like, what's the difference? Well, the difference is they did something. That was it. They did something. And we're not talking about sexy businesses. We're talking about people that have, you know, businesses worth tens of millions that make, you know, they put together cardboard boxes. You're talking about people that, you know, make pipes. You're talking about people that 
made a little software that does accounting tracking for a small business or something in us in it, it this weird little functionality right and it's everywhere and it's all over the place um the average millionaire makes something like seventy five thousand dollars a year it's actually kind of crazy uh, kind of when you think about it but what's crazy to think about is they're millionaires right and lots of times they you know don't even need to make it and when you start to see the landscape you realize that it's not one way it's there's so many opportunities and way to go about it but the thing that they all have in common is first of all they did it right they oh i never met one of them that i was like they're lazy that was like you know i expect to work nine to five no that doesn't that doesn't exist right um and it's not if they do or not it's that they don't expect it right like I'm willing to put in work today to get something for tomorrow. And the more work I put in today, the more I get tomorrow. And uh, that, that, that shift really, the more that I looked and the more that I was around it, then it, it got me to a level that it was like, Hey, I want to pick a better vehicle. I want to scale faster. I could ask higher level questions. Right? So now do I want to be a millionaire? Do I want to be worth X? And then, I could figure out, okay, well, I've seen all these business models. I understand these things, which ones are the best? And I'm like, I need to make reoccurring revenue. I need it to be able to scale. I need it to be able to compound, right? But that came from exposure, from seeing. And I think people need to make it intentional, like you said, to be around people like that. You just need one to get started. And then once oh, you yeah, get started- yeah, just one. And once you get started, it allows you I talk about this quite a bit. It allows you to go on offense because right now you might be in a spot where you can't really make a gamble on something that doesn't have like a relatively short runway in terms of like a payday, right? You need something yep. to generate some cash relatively quick. But what happens is if you build something small and it's generating some money, then what you can do is you might be able to, to go on what I call go on offense. And you don't necessarily have a lot. A sh- you have a short runway in terms of like, you're not going to make a ton of money in, in a short period of time, but in the long term, the opportunity is massive and you can't take that opportunity because you can't take a step back in most cases. Yes. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. You just, I mean, but really, like you said, it comes down to the hard work really. And, and yeah. most people just aren't willing to put in the work. And two, the, the start towards the end, you're seeing the end, right? The start is much smaller. It's much your your work to return is not like it's kind of shocking to me when i think about when we started the amount of work to buy these little storage facilities that we were buying we really didn't make very much money at all it was really not a lot i mean it's nothing that would ever like the amount of money that i made working in like my job compared to that what i the amount of money i made for the effort that i put in i made so much more doing my job. And then people are like, well, then why would you do this? Which I worked two jobs for basically 10 years. Well, because my job would end. And more importantly, I didn't have a scalable system and it was connected to my income. Right. And so like, even though it was a smaller Delta at first today, it's not even comparable. Like one unit of effort is 10 plus in return where when I started, it was one unit of effort was 20% in the return, right? It was, uh, it's just so backwards. So that you're right, that that front end, people aren't willing to do that because your uh, reward to effort ratio is skewed. 
And that's the whole point. Jobs pay you that you don't go do it on your own. And, and I'm paying, like, well, you paid somebody to not go do it. So I'm going to pay you more than what you could do in the short term on your own. And that's why you take it, right? And so it's like, you need to shift that dynamic. And what you're talking about in like, especially the digital space, um, that dynamic shift you can do while also not sacrificing your job or anything else. Yeah. I mean, there's no risk. It's literally just committing to putting in the work. And I don't know if you're familiar with this gentleman, his name's Alex Hormozzi, and there's plenty of others that talk about this, but they talk about focus on like the inputs. You can't focus on the end result. Like what you can, let's just say you want to start a YouTube channel. It's not necessarily something I'm working on, but let's just say you want to have a YouTube channel. You can't control how many views those videos get, but what you can control and what you can focus on is how many videos you put out every single week. Let's say you want to put out two a week. You can control that. You put out two every single week. And as long as you do that long enough, you will eventually receive the end result that you're looking for. And so it's rather than focusing on that end result that you're looking for, it's focusing on the little steps, the little things you could do every week or every day. that are going to lead to that, that big result that you want. hundred percent. It, it's, you know, I look at it is we um, look at the inputs to outputs, then we measure and we maximize. So you focus on the controllables and what the deliverables are. We measure the controllables and then we maximize. So how do we adjust our inputs to make the output better, right? And that's it. And you're just doing it time and time and time again. Now, the problem though, is if you're not testing inputs, you're not getting any feedback and you're not moving forward. Inputs aren't just given, right? Like it's, it's just not that you, get it and then it delivers an output. It's not how it works. Now, the problem is that's how it works with the job. I give something and I immediately get a paycheck, right? That's how it works. But that is not how business entrepreneurship or the economy actually works. It never has in the history of the world until the last 150 years after the industrial revolution, right? This is a new phenomenon. And uh, um, it skewed that reward uh, mechanism as far as effort and everything else goes, time and security and all that kind of stuff. So as a population, we're now how many generations where we view risk? It's it's shocking to me how people think about risk. That's really risky. And I'm like, how? As opposed to what? Like, are you going to die? Like, what's going to happen here? You know what I mean? Um, We just have a really skewed risk perception. Like it's, you know, and I I think too, the opportunity cost is an opportunity cost of consumption to people. And they, they're viewing it as a consumer mentality. My opportunity cost is I could have bought a nice car, right? Or I could have bought something else. So I don't want to spend the money. And if you don't change those two things, you can't change your future. It just doesn't work. Um, And it's not how the world, world really works. You're seeing a false narrative because you're on the other side of, you know, the veil on the working side. And so you, you, you're take, you're trying to take one mode of operation and apply it to the real world. And that's not how it works. So you always fail. But if you change your mode, you change your, you know, operating system to work on the real world, then it goes and it works. I do. I, I want to help as many people as I can to kind of get out of that, what you were just mentioning and, and kind of take the leap to work on their own things. And I'm not saying like quit your job and go full-time on like building your own thing. I'm just saying like, 
have the courage to build a niche site or buy real estate or whatever adventure you want to kind of go on. Like I, I want to encourage as many people to do that as possible. But I mean, the reality is the the reason that these opportunities exist for us is because not everybody does it. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's there for the taking for those that are willing to put in the work. And that's why we have the opportunities that people like you and I have. It's true. You know, I, I think about it, like, you know, it goes back down to, you know, I, I want everybody to be doing something. Cause I, I just, I look at it and I'm like, you're dependent on two things, an employer and your ability to work, right? You, so risk associated with the employer is a single source of income by an individual in which you do not control. You have no control of that. So that risk is astronomical. The second thing is your ability to work. That is 100% guaranteed to go away. 100%. Nothing you can do about it. At some point, you will not be able to work and produce at those levels. So I'm like, I know now that the risk associated with this is astronomically high. And the risk associated with number two is inevitable. It's not a risk. It's inevitable. So why wouldn't you be preparing for that? That is 100% known. It's 100% guaranteed. At some point, you cannot use this method, which is high risk, which is an employment, to get money. That you're not trying to do something to protect yourself from that extraordinarily high risk and the inevitability that it will end. Um, and I think so many people just look at it like, I'm sure the government will take care of me or I'm going to have social, social security, security or, like or whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, man, that is, you, you want to talk about risk. That is a risk to reward that is so skewed because for the vast majority of people, social security is a tiny percentage of their income. And so all of a sudden you're like, you're going to have to sell everything and you're going to have to live a life that you would have never accepted while you could have worked. Why wouldn't you do so something? How do you think about cash flow and net worth? Oh, this is a great question. I don't know. Wait, when you start, tell me how you think about it. Well, I personally think people put way too much emphasis on net worth and not enough on cash flow, personally, uh, because like you just said, people are going to have to sell everything to fund their lives. It's, it's kind of the same way with net worth. Like, it, you know, a lot of times people who have massive net worth, net worth, it's not liquid. So if they really want to utilize that to fund their lifestyle and have a good life, they, you know, they save for, or save or work for 40 years so that they can have this, you know, great life when they're a little bit older or in retirement, then they got to sell everything that, you know, generates that builds that wealth, that, that net worth. And so I, I just, and I don't think that's necessarily reasonable for everybody or in most cases. So for me, I'm a lot more interested in generating the, the cash flow that's going to be sustainable for an extended period of time than necessarily the net worth number. Of course, net worth can be an important piece to your financial uh, overall picture. But for me, I'm, I'm a lot more interested in, in cash flow than I am in cash generation than I am necessarily net worth. hundred percent. That literally this podcast cast used to be cash flow to freedom. So I only care about cash flow. And people are like, well, net worth's important. And I'm like, net worth is derived from cash flow. So if you have an asset, you have equity in the asset due to the cash flow that it presents. If you do not understand cash flow, you do not understand how to increase net worth or equity. So once again, it's the only thing that matters. 
and I do not play games that the market makes me. Well, things just go up in prices and that's how my net worth grows. And I'm like, that's, you're gambling. That's not a business, that's not a strategy. So if you wanna actively be engaged in increasing your cash flow and then in return, increase your net worth, right? Well, then you need to understand how cash flow works. You need to be actively engaged in it. And if you focus on cash flow, net worth takes care of itself. You don't need to worry about that. Um, but net worth does not pay the bills and it doesn't do anything for you. So it's irrelevant. Most people think billionaire is like, he's worth 200 billion, that he actually has 200 billion. That's not how it works. They don't actually I heard a, have that I heard a funny story. I heard a funny story once about uh, Buffett and Gates, I don't, about Bill Gates. I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I heard this, that they, they were going somewhere to get, because they're good friends, they used to be at least, and they were going somewhere and Buffett loves McDonald's and their driver was taking them through the McDonald's drive-thru and they didn't have any cash. And the driver had to literally pay for the McDonald's because neither of them had cash on them. And I think this was before like debit cards and credit cards and stuff is back in the day a little bit. And these guys are worth what, 100 billion, 200 billion combined in the backseat of this car and the driver has to pay for it because they don't have any cash, you know? So it's yeah. it's funny, net worth versus, you know, liquidity or, or cash flow right there. And, you know, I've always judged it in that my expenses, my lifestyles, everything else like that, um, it can't ever be derived from one-offs. So if you sell an asset, the only thing that cash flow to me could be, or the only thing that those earnings can be used is to generate cash flow. So anything that I live on, anything that I have has to be predicated, associated with the underlying reoccurring revenue that is derived on an ongoing basis. So one time things don't work. That's not how it works. We can't, we can't like, you know, you, you sell your house or you take out an equity line or you take out debt to buy things, right? It's like, you're putting yourself in a negative situation. So we created a baseline, which we worked, you know, on a fraction of our income. And we lived far below our means for long, long, long periods of time because we needed to invest the money, right? And do all that kind of stuff. But we could have lived, you know, I remember when we were building our house and this was in 2012. So this was, you know, the financial, you know, crisis. And the bank like approved us for whatever it was, like 1.2 million. And I was like, you approved us for what? Like, you gotta be kidding me. And they're like, yeah, I know, sorry, we couldn't do more, but it's a financial crisis. If it would have been, you know, two, three years ago, we could have gotten you two or more. And I'm like, you were gonna give me how much money? I'm like, no, that's not how it's gonna work here. Uh-uh, we'll take 400,000, right? And we'll do it. And they're like, you have that much money in cash. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but, I'm not going like it's disproportionate. And so this idea of cash flow, it actually protects you. It actually pays the bills. It actually creates opportunity. Equity is nothing. Assets, stocks, like just because your stocks go up doesn't mean you're actually more wealthy, right? It is on paper, but that doesn't matter to the virtually everyone, right? It's like, no, I, I, you need to be focused on that. So in return, then you focus on the cash flow, though you drive equity. When we were investing in real estate, I didn't know what a cap rate, I didn't care about equity at all. I didn't care what the equity was. I went into an asset that had cash flow and margins and I could increase the cash flow. And that's why we were successful. It wasn't because we leveraged our equity. It's not because we did all these fancy things or anything else like that. Just cash flow. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's why I like the sites. 
Yeah, same. Same here. And, and they and build think, the equity, right? You build up the cash yes. on that site. And I told you, you could sell it, you know, and there you have 50 grand in equity, like uh, just the $1,500 example we talked about before. Yeah, there's, there's this business that I just love because their model works like this. And um, I think I'm going to be investing quite a bit into it. But their model works like they, so they're, they, they build out, they're putting on uh, different events, things like that. But it's a software-based system, right? But how it works is the person that's hosting the event, their software that they use, it's, it needs to be specially designed. They have to pay for it to be built. So they actually pay the business to build out the service. Then the business makes its money on all the reoccurring revenue, transactions, everything else like that. So essentially this business has incredible ways to grow and has this like infinite earning potential, but the cost associated with it or your burn rate, right? Of a new business is astronomically low because I don't have to until I, you pay me to build the product that you're going to use. And then I get paid on the product after it is. And I'm like, that's how to do a business, right? Like you have astronomically low expenses. They're only incurred when money comes in. And then that cash flow margin is just huge. Uh, and it lowers your risk. I, I love those kind of businesses. And that's how I view on a smaller level, right? These small websites, right? You're building it in. It's very low. Your burn rate is your time, right? But it has theoretically unlimited earning potential. Um, but you don't need to incur cost, you know, really outside very small, like whatever, $100, you know, to get things. You don't need to incur any major cost until it's already producing the results, improving it to you. And then you can use that cash flow to do more with it, right? Then and you can then, hire cost on scale, rate. cost on scale with the revenue. Like that's not exactly. There's no exactly. cost of goods on these sites. So it's not yeah. like, like you're, you could do a, you could have a site that does $500 a month in revenue and you could have a site that does $100,000 in revenue a month. And the cost for those sites could essentially be the same. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, it's all about that margin. It's all about that, that cash flow and non-correlated uh, expenses. It's shocking to me how many businesses do not figure out that there is, you know, a, standard deviation of one on the their correlation between their expenses and their revenue it, it just a, I guess fancy way of saying direct it, it's it's perfectly connected right you make more your expenses go up at the exact same rate so what that means is you know and i've seen this time to time this happened in the dot-com phase that happened there is no ever end to profitability and you would think that this is something that is simple that people should say, but what they do is there's this magical pot of gold at the end of that run, rep, uh, runway where after we just get so many users, it'll all work out. Now, the cases where that has, it's obviously astronomically big, um, sure. but lots of them figure out too late on that that actually can never even come. And I see that with people that start businesses. They start brick and mortars, they're selling goods, and they think, well, if we can just get to a point where, and they don't even realize that their expenses are rising at the same rate the revenue is, and then they're just, if you're, you don't want your business to turn into your hamster wheel. The perfect example or, or kind of parallel or analogy is like personal finance. People always say, oh, I only make $40,000 a year. I can't save any money. And the thing is, 
if you can't save any money on 40,000, you're not going to save any money on a hundred thousand because your lifestyle and your expenses are just going to scale with your income. It's the same as you just mentioned with your business. You know, I'm not saying you should save the same dollar amount at 40,000 as you should a hundred thousand, but on a percentage basis, you should. So let's say you can save 10% on 40,000. That's $4,000 a year. Now, keeping everything else equal, you can save 10% on 100,000. Now you're saving 10,000 a year. So it's still 10% of your income. Yes. You're still living on 90%, but you're saving a, a, a bigger amount. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just the same parallel to what you just talked about in business. No, I, I love that on the personal finance side. It's it's something a lifestyle creep kills people. Just kills Happens people. in business too. Business, personal yes. finance, everything. It does. And I think the big distinguishing factor, you know, especially that people need to be worried is those fixed expenses in their business and everything else, the ones that just can't go away. So, um, you know, it, we've talked about digital. What side do you like on this digital front that um, outside, you know, kind of these um, small websites and stuff? What are, you, what are you looking at? What's the future? It's a good question. I don't know. Um, I've been going to a couple conferences this year and I just got back from FinCon and, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, what's next? What is, you know, what's your plan? What's your goal? And, you know, honestly, this is kind of like the first time in my life that I don't necessarily really know. Like I was never the person in like going in high school. I I knew exactly what I wanted to study in college. I knew what I wanted to do for a career. I never had any questions. So like, this is kind of like the first time in my life where I'm like, I don't really have a plan. My only plan right now is to just execute the daily tasks that I need to do for these certain businesses every single day. And I'll kind of come up for air, I guess, in in a little bit and figure it out from there. But for now, I'm just really focused on being the best and doing the best I can every single day. That's honestly all that matters. Yeah. I mean, it'll lead lead to a good spot, right? It's hard. If you're doing and executing every single day, it's, it's hard to not end up somewhere great. So, yeah. So many people focus on the end when the end doesn't matter, we should focus on the inputs. What's going to get you to the next? Cause you know, honestly to, to, to say that, you know, or anything is crazy. I, I never thought I'd be in the storage, you know, it's the only thing I do. I always thought that I would do mergers and acquisitions or insurance or international, but never like even when I was really into storage, I didn't think that those opportunities would lead. So the fact that, your head's down, you're doing it. That's what actually shows you the opportunities. That's what actually leads to them. And that's too what generates the results. It's like we were talking about before inputs, right? Focusing on the inputs. I love that. Well, dude, I, uh, you know, we've already taken an hour. This is just awesome stuff, but where, where can everybody go find learn more uh, about you? Listen to your podcast. Yeah. So a couple things, uh, you can check out the podcast, as you mentioned, just search the investors podcast. Uh, we have a bunch of different shows. 